Father, thank you so much for, for all that you're doing in our lives. Thank you for the way that you are building into our lives. Thank you for your word that we can turn to it and that we can find strength, direction, and comfort. And Father, I pray that we would see your hand working today as we study this next passage, next statement. Lord, just guide us. Speak to us. I pray that we would all walk away today with something that we want to do or or say to you as a result. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. And I I want to apologize first. I've had a little bit of a a scratchy throat, so if for some reason uh, I start coughing, just bear with me on that. So, Well, last July, some of you follow my blog uh, on The Passionate Pursuit, and last year, last July, I wrote a blog post about my cats that some of you will remember. Uh, I told them one morning as I was getting ready to go to work, your world is about to be rocked. How many of y'all, do y'all remember that at all? Maybe not. Some of you do. Your world's about to be rocked. And you're not going to like what's about to happen. You're not going to understand what's going on. And you're going to look at me and ask me, Mom, do you not love us anymore? Why are you doing this? And I just want you kitties to know that I'm aware of what's about to happen, and it's going to be okay. Uh, I'm going to be with you. Well, I actually have to leave you during the day, but I'll be with you at night. I just want you to trust me over these next few days. Because I knew what was about to happen. I knew that in a few minutes, the doorbell was going to ring. And workers were going to come in the house. And uh, carpet was going to be there. They were going to move the furniture from my den to my living room. They were going to pull up the carpet. There was going to be loud noises of hammering. There was going to be ripping. Just things that they were not used to. And to make it worse, they were going to be confined to my bedroom for two and a half days. Now, Bethany, I've got a picture. Those doors on the right were my bedroom doors, and uh, that's where they spent two and a half days. Now, you have to understand, my cats love to sunbathe in the den. Uh, They've got their favorite spot. They have their favorite place to eat. Uh, They love to watch the birds and the squirrels and the chipmunks in the backyard. All of a sudden, their world was rocked. And I wanted them to trust me, even though they couldn't understand why. It was not going to be easy for them to be stuck in this room for two and a half days. It was not easy for me. I had to walk a plank to get from my garage, which was over here, I had to, he made a little plank for me that was real narrow that I had to walk to get into my bedroom and, uh, and then try to shut the door before the cats ran out. It was not a fun time, but I knew what was coming. I knew what was happening. I knew that the end result was going to be worth it. And I wanted to assure them 
that everything was going to be okay because I knew that they didn't understand. And I just wanted to say, guys, I just need you to trust me. I need you to trust me that I got this. Well, then it hit me. God knows when our world is about to be rocked. He knows what's coming around the corner. And he, I, I can picture him saying, Cricket, uh, your world's about to be rocked. But I want you to trust me. I know what's going on. I know what the end result is going to be. And it's going to be worth it, even though it's going to challenge you. And so the next time your world gets rocked, will you trust him? Well, in our lesson this week, the disciples' world was about to be rocked. And Jesus wanted to prepare them for what was coming, just like I wanted to prepare my cats, even though they couldn't understand. But he wanted to prepare the disciples, and he knew that what was coming was going to be hard for them. But he wanted them to trust him. And he wants us to trust him when our world is about to be rocked. And so I want you to go ahead and turn to John 14. We're just going to spend time looking at John 14, 1 to 6. But before we look at this chapter, I want to give you the context of what's going on because we need to understand where this chapter fits into the bigger picture. We have to go back to the beginning of chapter 13. It's the last night before his crucifixion. And Jesus is having the Passover meal with his disciples in the upper room. He's having a conversation with them, and this conversation begins in chapter 13. It continues through chapter 17, and we often call this the upper room discourse. And so in chapter 13, during the Passover meal, as he's talking to his disciples, he began to rock their world. He washed their feet, which they didn't understand and weren't expecting that. That was not something a teacher did to his disciples. And then he told them that one of them would betray him. And then he told Peter that, Peter, you're going to deny me, not once, not twice, but three times. And then if that wasn't enough to shake their world, he told them that he was going to leave them soon. And where he was going, they couldn't go with him. Put yourself in their shoes at this time. Their world was being rocked. They knew from the things that he said that things were about to get hard in some way. They didn't know exactly what was coming, but they knew that change was coming and life was going to get hard if one was going to betray him. If Peter, who loved him, was going to deny him three times, something hard is coming. They had left everything. They'd left their, their jobs, their lifestyle, their, their families, their friends, all to follow Jesus. And then to hear him say, I'm going away, and you can't come with me. I know I've asked you to follow me, but right now you can't. Their world was about to be rocked. What would they do without him there? And so you can just imagine the confusion and the disappointment and the concern that they must have been feeling. 
But we can learn from Jesus' words to his disciples of how to get through these world-rocking, life-shaking times. And so we come now to John 14, 1 to 6. And I want to give you three ways that we can trust God when our world is rocked. But let's start by just reading these verses together. John 14, verse 1, Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How do we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So the first way that we can trust God when our world is being rocked is by trusting his heart. Trust his heart. Verse 1, do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. Let's break that verse into two parts. First, do not let your heart be troubled. One of the definitions of that word is stirred up, agitated. That's easier said than done. Lord, you've just told us all that this stuff is going to happen. You've just told us you're leaving us, and you're telling us to not be troubled. How are we supposed to do that? Well, the second part of that verse really tells them how. Believe in God. Believe also in me. And a better translation of that verse in the Greek is, you already believe in God. Believe also in me. In other words, trust me. I've got a purpose in this, and it will be for your good. Trust me, even though you don't understand. That's exactly what I was trying to get across to my cats. Trust me, even if you don't understand. Trust my heart. I know what's best for you. Jesus knew the big picture. He knew what was about to happen, and he knew that even though it was going to be hard for the disciples— The end result would be worth it. And he was not doing this to hurt them. He wasn't doing this to punish them. He wasn't doing it to make their lives miserable. He was doing it for their good and ultimately our good. His heart is for them and it's for us. So the first way to trust God when our world is rocked is to trust his heart to believe and know that he loves us, that he wants good for us, that he's working everything out for good. He's not doing things to hurt us. Trust his heart. Don't be troubled. Now, this text was addressed to the disciples during a specific time in their lives. The Lord was about to be crucified. But as we apply this text in our lives today, I think we need to ask ourselves, Am I troubled about something? Is my heart agitated, worried, anxious? Is my world about to get rocked in some way? And maybe you're facing uncertainty about your future. 
or you're anxious about something going on in your life that you have no control over and you're feeling a little troubled. You know, I was convicted uh, this weekend as I was just studying this passage because I thought, I am troubled about some things. I am worried about some things. And God had to remind me, do you, do you believe this verse? Don't let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Peter tells us in 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. That's his heart. He cares for you. So you can cast everything on him. If you need a visual to help you do this, and I've done this, uh, take a piece of paper or an index card and write down everything that's bothering you. And then write across it, 1 Peter 5, 7. And then fold it up. And I've actually just held it up and said, God, here. And then I'll walk over and throw it in the trash can. Cast your anxiety on him. We can trust him because we can trust his heart. He is working for our good. You know, his best... And his good may not look the same as what we envision as good for us, but we can trust his heart. And the second way we can trust him when our world is rocked is we can trust his purpose. This is verses 2 to 3. He told him why he was leaving and where he was going in verse 2. He said, in my father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. Now, there are several views um, in the way that people look at this verse. And one view is that when he said he was going to prepare a place for them, he was talking about going to the cross. That he was going to, um, to the cross to prepare a way for them to live in his father's house. And it's through his atoning death that believers are assured a place there. And they couldn't go with him to the cross because only Jesus could die on the cross. He was the only perfect sacrifice. That's one view of this verse. Uh, I take another view, which my seminary professors took, that he's just referring to heaven. He's going to his father's house in heaven. Yes, he was going to die on the cross, and he was going to be raised from the dead. He was going to ascend. But then he was going to go to his father's house to prepare a place for them and for us, all believers. And he tells them there are many dwelling places in his father's house. We don't really know what that looks like. I know there's been jokes about my mansion in heaven. Maybe so. We'll find out one day. But he, we know that he's going to prepare a place. And then he continues this thought in verse 3, and he says, If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again, and I will receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. The encouraging thing there is that he is not saying goodbye forever. He's not saying, I'll never see you again. He's going to come back. He's going to receive them to himself one day. And that's most likely referring to the second coming. And we'll be with him forever. That if he doesn't return in our lifetime, which I hope he does, I'd love to be here when he comes back. But if not, 
we will meet him face to face when he takes us home on our deathbed and we'll be with him forever. You know, yesterday was my mom's, it would have been my mom's 104th birthday. And um, I remember, and some of you have had this experience, I remember sitting by my mom's bed that Friday morning when she took her last breath. And I can remember thinking, as I watched her take that last breath, and it was kind of a deeper breath than usual. I mean, I watched her breathe, and all of a sudden this, and, uh, and then that was it. But I remember thinking, Lord, I wish I could see what is going on in the, the world I can't see. I wish I could see what is going on in the spiritual realm right now. I mean, did you come down and just grab her and y'all fly off to heaven? Did you um, send your angels down and they escorted her up to heaven and you were waiting at her room at the front, you know, front door to say, Margie, welcome home. Here's your home. I, I just wanted to see what she was experiencing. And someday we will find out. Someday we will know what's going to happen when we see him face to face. And if we're still alive, again, if we're here when he returns, then we're going to see him return in the air and redeem and bring his redeemed home. Jesus had a purpose for leaving them. He was going to prepare a place for them and for us. The end result is good. The journey is not always easy. So the application of this, as we make application from this verse, today, we know what the purpose was. We know why Jesus was leaving them. We're on the other side of the cross But we find ourselves in hard situations today still having to trust his purpose in other things when we don't understand why he's doing what he's doing. We may not understand why, but when our world is being rocked, we can trust his purpose and know that his purpose is for our good. So two ways that we can trust God when our world is about to be rocked, is that we can trust his heart, we can trust his purpose. And the third way, we can trust his way. Verses 4 to 6. Jesus said, And you know where I am going, the way where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How do we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. That's the sixth I am statement in this book. He said, I am the way. And he was leaving them so that he could be the way to God for them and for us. He doesn't just show the way. He is the way. He is not just one of many ways. He is the only way to God. And no one comes to the Father but through him. But some people have trouble with that statement. I am the way. They don't trust or believe that his way is the only way to salvation. Uh, There are some who believe that the way to God is by doing good deeds. If I just live a good life, 
if I go to church every Sunday, if I observe the ordinances, if I keep the Ten Commandments. I had a, a friend in Dallas that used to say, all i got to do is keep the Ten Commandments. Um, keep the golden rule. Hey, I grew up in a Christian home. That's all i got to do. That's my, not my way to heaven. But those aren't God's way. God has one way for salvation, one way to come through him, to him, and that is through Jesus Christ and Christ alone. There are others who say that there are a lot of ways to God. There's not one right way. There's all religions, and every religion has something good, and it's, we're all going to end up in heaven. We're just taking different ways. It's like the, the man who said that it's like climbing a mountain. There's different paths to get to the peak, but we're all going to get there. That's not true. There's only one way. No one comes to the Father but through me. He is the way, the only way. And then the rest of this verse really expands on that. And and why is he the the only way? Because he is the truth and the life. He doesn't just teach the truth. He is the truth. And because he is the truth, he is the only way. He is the life. He is the source of eternal life. He is the source of the abundant life on this earth. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the way because he is the truth and the source of life. You know, for some, it's hard to understand why God chose that way for salvation. Couldn't he have come up with a different way? Couldn't he have come up? I've had people ask me this. Why did he have to, to send his son to die on the cross? Couldn't he have just done it and just said, hey, I'm forgiving everybody's sins. Done. Well, that was the only way in God's plan. The disciples were going to have to trust his way as their world was about to be rocked because he was going to be crucified the next day. He was going to be buried and resurrected. And they had to trust his way for redemption for the world. Today, as I said earlier, we're on this side of the cross. We know the story. We know his way to the cross was the only way to save us. We know why he left them. So how do we apply this today? Since he's already died on the cross, we know he's the way. Well, I would say we have to ask ourselves, uh, really consider two questions. One, have you put your faith in his way to obtain salvation? Or are you trying to, to do it another way? Have we accepted his way to salvation? And if so, the second thing we need to consider, will you trust his way in your life? Will you trust him and the way he works in your life, even if it doesn't line up with what you envision your life to look like? Will you trust that he knows best, even though you thought best was something else? His way to bring salvation to the world probably didn't make sense to the disciples. And it may not make sense to us today, but God knew that it was the only way to save the world from the penalty of sin. And he was willing to give his life in our place. 
Trust his way of salvation. And trust his way of working in your life. Trust his way. So just as I knew my cat's world was about to be rocked that morning, the disciples were about to have their world rocked in John 13, John 14, following. How would they respond? And when our world is being rocked, how are we going to respond? You know, it may be facing a sudden loss of a loved one. Somebody dies suddenly. Or an accident that we're involved in changes our lives forever. Or we get that unexpected diagnosis, a change in our health, a job crisis, a family hardship, maybe a sudden uprooting and change. How are we going to handle it when our world is rocked? Will we trust him? Well, my kitties didn't understand what was going on in our house those three days in July. And their world was rocked. And it it broke my heart to watch them looking at me like, why? But I wanted them to trust my heart. I wanted them to know that I love them and I would not do anything to hurt them. I wanted them to trust my purpose that I wasn't doing this to punish them. I was actually doing this to give them something even better, a nice floor that they could slide across, and Hobson rides the the ottoman across the floor on its wheels and flies into the fireplace. Um, You know, I was looking out for their good, not something worse. I wanted them to trust my way. No, it didn't make sense to them what was happening, but I wanted them to trust me. And that's exactly what God wants us to do when our world is rocked. Trust his heart. Trust his purpose. Trust his way. And so that's my challenge to leave you with today. Will you trust him when your world is about to be rocked? Let me pray. Father, there may be some people in this room right now who are in the middle of their world being rocked. And they're struggling. But I pray, Father, that they would turn to you and trust you, trust your heart, your purpose, your way. And Lord, there are some people that right now life is going great. But there may be something that happens in the next few days, next months, that's going to rock their world. And Father, I pray that when those days come for us, that we would know you so well, that we would turn to you and trust you, that we know your heart, we know you're working purposes out for our good. Father, help us do that. We love you, and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.